Welcome to a special edition of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. And if you listened to last week's season finale, you know that this week we're kicking off a series of episodes from the Archives of Feature Presentation, which is a podcast that I hosted for a good portion of 2022 before I decided to bring this show back. And a lot of you may not have heard those episodes, so I thought it would be a good idea to re-release them on the Derek Diamond Experience feed because the audio feed from Feature Presentation is no longer available. Now, most of these are still on the YouTube channel for Feature Presentation, so if you prefer the video version, you can just search for Feature Presentation with Derek Diamond on YouTube, and you can watch the episodes there. So this will be an audio exclusive for this show specifically for the Derek Diamond experience. The YouTube channel for this show will be pretty dormant for the most part while the show is on summer break. And I thought a great way to introduce these series of episodes would be re-releasing the Smallville Roundtable that I recorded with Jason Robbins, my co-host over at the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, and Mike Eveland, host of the Jester's Court podcast. And Smallville was one of my favorite shows growing up. And I think... A lot of inspiration that you know Arrow and The Flash got on the CW, those shows would not have existed if not for Smallville. Still one of my favorite shows of all time, and it was a lot of fun reminiscing about it with Jason and Mike. And if you're a fan of Smallville, I hope you enjoy it as well. So without further ado, here is the Smallville Roundtable with Jason Robbins and Mike Eveland. It's the inaugural Patreon-exclusive roundtable episode of the Feature Presentation Podcast, and this month we're talking Smallville, one of the most influential comic book television series that I certainly can remember, and I'm sure we'll get into it as the show progresses. But joining me for this fun episode, we have the co-writer of the short film Monsters Anonymous and my co-host over on the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Mr. Jason Robbins. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. And also joining us, Mr. B-Rez Coffee himself, as well as the host on the Jester's Court podcast, Mr. Mike Eveland. Mike, how are you, sir? I am very good. Awesome. And Mike's actually the reason why we are doing this episode, because he is one of the Patreon subscribers, and he voted for it and even commented on the poll and said, if this wins, I would like to be a part of it. So Mike got his wish. We're here talking Smallville. So... Uh, Smallville premiered October 16th, 2001, just over 20 years ago, which makes me feel extremely old. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Where were you in October of 2001 and how did you initially hear about Smallville and what drew you into the show? Uh, well, October, 2001, I was busy flunking out of college the first time. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, it was post 9-11 and there were yep. two shows that I was looking really looking forward to because this one because I'm a huge Superman fan and um, Enterprise and Enterprise actually got pushed back because of September 11th. This one aired on time. But the funny thing is I actually as much as I was looking forward to it didn't even get to watch it until it was about season three. And then um, through the magic of Net- Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Um, Mail home DVDs. I caught up on the show and then became a religious watching it every week. 
See, I never got into the the mailing of DVDs. You know, I knew that's how Netflix kind of got its start, but I, I knew oh, a I couple. Did. I know a couple of people that did, but I just never never took advantage of it. That's how I got caught up on all the TV shows I used to watch back in the day. (laughs) But if you're a binge watcher like I am, it kind of sucks because you'd only get three at a time. So, you know, you'd binge through those episodes and then you have to mail the disc back and wait for them to send the next ones. Interesting. What about you, Jason? Where were you in October 2001 and how did you hear about Smallville? Uh, I had never saw, I never watched the first, I remember watch, I saw one episode of the first season um, back when it was, when it first started and I really didn't get into it because I just wasn't really at the time into comic books and things like that. I was, I was getting, I was getting too old for that stuff, you know, and uh, around that I was like 24, 25 at the time. And um, it wasn't until season two uh, after my brother had actually let me borrow the Smallville season one DVD set and caught up on it and then i started watching season two about halfway through and um caught up on all the earlier episodes through you know uh reruns and stuff like that and then uh it became a staple on wednesday nights for me to watch smallville buffy and uh angel around oh, those right. years so existed in that time frame yeah they were all they were that that was the wednesday night lineup on the the wb or the cw now that it is you just pretty much summed up a whole generation of TV viewing. I feel like I remember seeing Angel and Buffy just advertised all the time yeah. on TV. And I, I never you, got we into were those in the, shows. Go ahead. We're in the later the later seasons of Buffy. It was starting to wind down and Angel was going. And then I think after Buffy uh, got canceled or, or ended, I think Angel went for another season after that. And then once Angel was gone, it, it was just down to Smallville for me after that. Crossover actor, too, because Spike from that universe is um, Brainiac in Smallville. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can't That's remember true. the actor's name, so I'm just giving characters. I believe it's James Marsden. Yes. Is his name? That is correct. <laughs> Another crossover, too, was Jensen Ackles was in the early seasons of Smallville as Lana's boyfriend. Then once his character was killed off, they started supernatural and you know you look how long that show went that's if you want to talk about a television experience that is mind-blowing to me that supernatural went that long we've went 14 seasons i know well the cool thing is is jensen ackles was almost clark that's Mm -hmm. how he got the the role on supernatural because the people at you know the hiring people at the wb loved him but he just wasn't right for the role of Clark. Yeah, that's one of those things you hear and you're like, thank God that didn't happen because I like him, but I would not have liked him as Clark. No, not at all. For me, I was a sophomore in high school in 2001. And at this point, I was obsessed with looking at you know the, the limited number of movie news sites that were out around that time. I just remember coming home from school and that was one of the first things I would do is look online to see, you know, like what movies are coming out. You know, like this was pre-original Spider-Man. X-Men had come out a year before. So I was just obsessed with trying to find out what was coming out when. And then I happened to stumble upon the synopsis of Smallville. And I was never really a Superman fan growing up. I didn't hate the character, but I could just never really get into that story. 
And when I read that it was going to be about him in high school, I was like, okay, this might be kind of a cool new twist because you know, the, the Lois and Clark show had already been you know out for years at that point. And I remember watching yeah. it a little bit, but wasn't that into it. And I think what initially drew me into Smallville was that the characters were supposed to be kind of the same age as me. So I related to it in that aspect. But well, oh, go ahead. It's, it's actually funny you mentioned Lois and Clark, because that was the reason I kind of didn't give really give Smallville a chance at the beginning, because I loved Superman growing up. You know, I'm, I was a huge Superman fan as a kid, but Lois and Clark was kind of more it's it's a goofy show now, but it was aimed more at adults at the time, which is kind of weird. So I just I don't know It felt it's just we came out of the 90s with those, uh, you know, the syndicated shows that are that really weren't that great. I mean, you had some good ones here and there, but they were very cheap and, um, you know, the acting wasn't great. And so I kind of that's what I thought Smallville was when I first saw it. I was like, ah, oh, this is just one of those syndicated crap shows that's going to last like a season and then go away. Little did we know. That it yeah. would go for 10 seasons. <laughs> well, ten, and then ten it evolved too because it started out Monster of the Week, but then it, it did that thing that all of, at least American television, started doing in the like 2005, 2010 age. And that started doing the story arcs through the season. Yeah. And for me, I love those. I, I can get so much more into a show when there's a building arc and something's happening. Well, that's why I started getting into season two because that's what they started doing in season two. Like you go back, there are some key episodes. If you've never seen Smallville, there that first season is very hard to get through because it is it's all monsters of the week yeah that was the setup of the show but there are some key episodes you really need to see like the the pilot where he meets uh you know lex luther um things like that but i'm sure there's some sort of online uh board where or list where you go through and look at all the key episodes you need to watch of smallville because once they got to season two, that's when they started doing the the arc storylines. And, you know, even throughout the entire run of the series, that was, you know, they that, that this was back in the day of the, the 24 episode seasons. I so you would have, days. you know, 16, you know, 16 or so like story arc episodes. And then you had like eight, um, like just I used to call them filler episodes. Um, so you'd get like two or three every month, you'd get like, you know, three weeks of main storyline. And then you get like one episode of filler. And that was always the episodes that are kind of like, uh, oh, you can just skip that one. That's basically when the main writer had it, you know, he has to take time off too, or she. So they're like, Hey, junior in the office, write me an episode, but yeah, don't touch my story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And even, you know, going back, cause I, I did a, a watch through, of the show again about a year ago and even in the later seasons in season 10 i remember they did like a almost a hangover i won't say parody but a, a very hangover inspired episode that i thought was i just, hated it was terrible <laughs> hated it, those episodes and i'm like this late in the show's run you shouldn't be doing those types of episodes like everything needs to be yeah. building towards him putting the suit on and becoming superman and that well, that was the thing that bugged me in the in the last season. We were down to what like the last four or five episodes, 
and you're they're trying to wrap up 10 years worth of story. And I remember, you know, they threw it. It was like the last three or four episodes and they threw in that um, that filler episode where they went to uh, the uh, what do they call the zone? The the, the phantom zone, the phantom, zone. The phantom zone. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, why is this in here? I'll agree with one exception, which is if, if you're doing your last season and it's all about just being having fun outside of this show, like psych, the last season psych was on, it was all just like hangover episode and clue episode. Cause they were just like, we're done. Let's have fun with it. Uh, one of my, my drawbacks with this show and, I'll be curious to get your guys' thoughts. It's impressive that the show went 10 years, which is something you don't get a lot of when it comes to TV shows. But I feel like they probably could have wrapped up the story in maybe seven seasons. That's exactly what I was going to say. Seven. They should have stopped around seven seasons because like eight and nine, I'll be honest, I don't remember anything. I've seen through the entire series twice and and seasons eight and nine are very forgettable. See, for me, I agree, but on a different end of the spectrum, I, I think I think they were in high school for too long. I think they drug out those years for too long. Yeah. Yeah, because when you're talking about eight and nine, that's for me the best part of the show, because that's where he really starts to struggle between what am I going to be? I'm not just saving people in front of me. I'm, you know, my friends, I'm, I'm actually branching out. And to me, that's Superman building. Yeah. But you got to eight, eight seasons, eight and nine and Lex wasn't there anymore. He had already, you know, left the show. Um, and those were some of the favorite seasons for me, like seasons five and six, the Lex heavy seasons, because let's be honest, Michael Rosenbaum is still the be all end all. Lex absolutely. Luther. Oh yes, absolutely. My regret as far as like a fan is that I wish they would have done a movie with this cast. And you can see they brought him back in the series finale. He's just so good. And one of the best parts about this whole series is that to me, Lex was my favorite character because they added so many unique layers to him. And he wasn't just the, you know, I, I don't knock the Gene Hackman portrayal in the original run of movies, but those movies were before my time. So when I watched Superman the movie for the first time, I actually didn't care for Gene Hackman's portrayal. I get it now yeah. that I'm older. I think it's appropriate for that era and what they were trying to tell with that story. But when it comes to really branching out the Lex character and making him sympathetic at first, but you know that the turn is coming where he's going to yeah. become the villain. And Michael but Rosenbaum even... just nailed it. Yeah, I mean, well, even how, when he turns, you're still sympathetic sometimes because you're sympathetic because you know the twist is that he turns mainly because Clark doesn't trust him and he learns yeah. stuff about Clark. Yeah. And, you know, Clark just lies to his face. If Clark would have just from like they could have saved a lot of trouble if Clark would have just said from the beginning, "Yes, I am super." Because I have there were powers. certain points in the show where he clearly knew. You're like you can't explain your way out of this. You just did this, you know, you just did this thing. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I, I, what are you talking about? I'm not super. What, what do you mean? No, I don't have powers. You're crazy, Lex. Crazy, Lex. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes crazy. <laughs> well, and some of the favorite scenes from that entire series were Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling, who plays Clark Kent slash Superman. Their chemistry was yeah. just so, it was the backbone of the show. And I think part of it is because they became such great friends 
in real life. You know, I, back at yeah. the DC Fandom event a couple of months ago, they did a retrospective on the 20 years of Smallville, and they brought those two back and were asking them questions about their experiences with the show. And just watching them interact, you could just tell that they enjoy each other's company, they're great friends, which transitioned on screen because those those two characters were, to me, what kept me in the show. And it was such a heartbreaker when Michael Rosenbaum left the show yeah. at the end of season seven. Oh, I know. Well, Michael Rosenbaum, I mean, you look at his character of Lex and you see that fall to the villain and the reasons he became the villain and you understand it and you're like yeah i get it because you look at john glover as yes. his dad lionel luther holy crap that dude just chewed up so much scenery in that show like one of the greatest tv villains of all time he did it so well that even when the show made him a good guy as a viewer, you didn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> you were right there. You were right there with Clark going, No, you're full of crap. This is yeah. no. And then he fell out a window. <laughs> Technically got pushed out a window, but spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. One of the things that showed you well, and Derek and Jay, you both touched on it a little bit, is that it gave context to a superhero and a villain that you didn't used to get context for. Because Superman was always just Superman. He is. You know, and the betrayals before this you turn 18 or graduated high school or graduated from college, whichever happened, you just, he just became Superman. They didn't make it a struggle. Yeah. And, for and you me, know, you got to sit there and watch him make those hard, learn how to make those hard decisions and learn what he's going to be and become the symbol of hope. And how perfect was it? The dark side was the last bad guy. Yeah. Cause the whole show, yeah. the whole last few seasons is about him deciding not to be the shadow, but to be that symbol of hope. And they throw out that bad guy that, you can't beat him up. You've got to, you've got to be that symbol. Well, I think that's what's so great about the show is that growing up watching it and being kind of the same age as the characters, you feel like you're learning important life lessons through. And another great actor in the show was John Schneider as Jonathan oh, Kent. Yeah, he was so good, so much better than the the Kevin Costner portrayal in Man of Steel, which that's a subject for another time but dude, he's always going to be jonathan kent to me too like dude john snyder the way he acts in that show is exactly how my dad was when i was a kid yeah like trying to teach character. me like life lessons and stuff you know absolutely he embodies the character more than any other kid that i can think of on screen one well, a netto tool as well as you know as his mom and the her arc we never gotten an arc about Martha Kent like we got about her. The way she went from just being, you know, uh, a farm, a mom, farmer's wife, yeah, farmer's wife to being this, you know, <laughs> the Red Queen. I was gonna say yeah, to be a senator <laughs> and then the Red Queen and <laughs> yeah, like, no crazy character arc that she had in that show. That was what's also great about, and I think one of the reasons why in a way it helped that the show went as long as it did because a lot of characters got arcs like that. You know, you, we never seen an arc with Lex Luthor like that before. Same with Martha Kent with Clark, you know, Mike, you mentioned it earlier in previous portrayals. It's like Superman is the character and Clark Kent is almost an afterthought. We never really got to see the Clark Kent side of Superman. And as he, learns to make those decisions and realize that he has to be that symbol to be the champion of the planet you know that he he does what no other hero can do 
and seeing that evolution. And then I remember that moment in the final episode when he's, you know, thrown in the air by dark side and he just freezes and he's flashing back all these moments in his head. And we see him take flight for the first time. And you're just like, you know, you're geeking out over it because you're waiting for it to finally happen. And then it does. It's such a good payoff. Yeah. 10 years. <laughs> 10 years we've been waiting for the suit and then fly. That's what I never understood about that show. You know, it, the the WB is, of course, owned by Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers has all the rights to these characters. Yet in this show, the rule was no tights, no flights. Because it wasn't about Superman. As Derek was touching on from what earlier from, from what I was saying, the story's about Clark. Once he becomes Superman, the story's over. And that's why they... That's not why it lasted 10 years, but that's why the last episode was him becoming Superman. Yeah, I, I don't think it was an issue of rights. I think it was a choice. And if it was an issue of rights, then it played off well. Because this show was not about Superman. This show is about Clark becoming Superman. They did have a couple of workarounds throughout the show. I remember when Jarrell first you made his presence known in the show and he almost took over Clark and he became Kal-El <laughs> and all of a sudden he was able to fly. Because I remember he, he flew into uh, Lex's plane and took one of the, the stones. Yes. So like they got away with it a little bit and you saw hints of him when flying. But he wasn't but... the one in control. His exactly. body was capable of doing it. That was... they, they almost made the flying like a part of his evolution where until he accepted his role, he wasn't able to do it like a uh, mental block. They touched on it in season nine when he tried to fly and he couldn't. And Jorel said, you still look at yourself as human. And in a way, it was a mental block for him. And that was the last thing he had to learn to fully be Superman as far as his physical abilities go. And that that was what was cool, too, about especially the early episodes of the show. They would make a big deal about every time he learned a new power. You know, it was almost like him going through puberty in a way. Yeah. Like I remember him learning X-ray vision and he sees into the, the girl's locker room and then he learns, <laughs> you know, the the shoot fire from his eyes because he has yeah. a, a hot substitute teacher who turned out to be dating Lex. That, you know, little that things like that was one. That was the best one because <laughs> yeah. the trigger for heat vision is Superman is in lust. Yeah. <laughs> and they even made the heat vision come out like all bloppy, like, you know, other things that this is a G rated show. I won't continue. <laughs> watch the visual of the first time he shoots heat rate. It's not a straight laser vision. Yeah. It's just, he just blasts all over the place. It's great. Yeah. I forget what season that's in. That's like I think it's season three. two or three. I think it's three. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is three. But you know, there's another thing about this show that people really don't talk about much is all the other heroes that come he comes across in this show. I mean, you got the Flash, you've got um uh Aquaman, Green Arrow, Green Arrow and I then love you, it's my favorite actually, portrayal of Green Arrow. You actually get like Justice League episodes. Dude, who did not just geek out totally. I think the name of the episode is Justice League, but it's the first time they work together with Arrow and all those other people you're talking about. And they do that scene at the end where they back up and it's the Justice League. It's Superman yeah. and the Arrow and Aquaman. <laughs> I, yeah. I have to check it, but I think the name of the episode actually is Justice League. I, I think you're right. Yeah. And it's you either had Justice League or Justice. As, you had what's your, what's her name being Watchtower. Um, oh, Chloe. Chloe. Chloe, yeah. yes. Yeah, I know exactly what episode you're talking about because it has a shot of the five of them walking towards the camera and you see the factory blowing up in the background. That is the like, shot I'm talking about. Yeah, oh it's like God. so good. So what did you guys think of the Green Arrow? 
in in this episode. I'll be honest. I like the green portrayal of Green Arrow much better in Smallville than I, than Arrow. That's what I was just saying. Really, I like and and both of them exist in canon, but I like the goofier Green Arrow better in comics. I like this Green Arrow over the Batman Green Arrow that CW gave us. So, I just felt like Arrow was way too dark, and I don't know, like. Uh, I don't know. I just, I never really got into that show, but the way he portrayed Oliver Queen in Smallville, like you said, it was, a, it was a little humor there. Like it was a little more comic booky, but also a little, I don't know, a little Tim Burton-ish. I don't know. Kind Not of, if everyone that's a, needs to be Batman. I know Batman yeah. sells. That is a good point. I, I'm, I like both portrayals because I think the portrayal of Justin Hartley in Smallville is perfect for what that show is. I also appreciate the darker take that Stephen Emile did. I'm a big fan of the Arrow show. I do see your point in that it does get a little too dark at times, but I remember being disappointed when they announced the Arrow show and that Justin Hartley wasn't going to be yeah. portraying Same. him. Actually, I thought it was going to be a spinoff. But it turned out it wasn't. And I mean, like I said, I liked the Arrow show, but I, I did enjoy Justin Hartley's portrayal of, of Oliver Queen. And I, I loved, you know, whenever he was first introduced, they showed the flashbacks of him being stranded on the island and how he had the romantic relationship with Tess. When you know she came along after Lex left because she was supposedly like his assistant. And then spoilers turns out to be his sister, which was a, an interesting plot twist. But uh, yeah, I I like Green Arrow. He also has the best line I think ever, which is the throwback to the comics. It was I don't remember who was giving him crap, but he had um he had knockout gas in an arrow, and someone made fun of it. And his response was, "Well, I was going to put a boxing glove on the yeah. arrow, but I thought that might have been overkill." <laughs> and it was just a throwback to the comics. Yeah. So we you, we mentioned Chloe Sullivan a minute ago. Um, what do you guys think of the character of Chloe? Because I honestly I did not like her character until really? like season four or five. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking end results. You're right. At, at the beginning, she was because she was just the annoying "I like you and you don't like me" girl. Yeah. It wasn't until they gave her her own story that she really turned on for me. And it's so sad that the actress ended up being batshit. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say is, 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 can you guys separate the art from the artist for, when it comes to that? In this instance, it's pretty tough for me. And it was a little jarring to go back and watch the show, knowing what we know now about the Allison Mack who played Chloe. As far as the portrayal of the character, I did like what she evolved into and that you know eventually she wound up marrying Oliver. And kind of moving away from that, you know, being in puppy love with Clark phase and being jealous that he had a thing for Lana and then Lois. The Watchtower bit was, I think, the best arc for her to go. And I, I enjoyed it. Like, by the end of the show, I did enjoy most everyone's character portrayal and what they evolved into, especially yeah, the ones that were there from day one. And she got that great sitting up at the end because the, the last thing you see is that she's been telling the story to her kid. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a nice little bow to put at the end of the episode that you know this story is being told by Chloe. And she there's a scene in the last couple episodes where she says she's going to check out some other super powered beings, and she she mentions she doesn't say them by name, but she says uh, she's talking about Wonder Woman and Batman. 
Yeah. They- she mentions, I'm going to see a, a woman who's absolutely wonderful. And then uh, uh, there's a guy in Gotham City I need to see it, or something it like that. It kind of goes back to your point. You know, they own all these properties. Why do they tiptoe around them so much when, you know? I guess they just wanted the subtlety and not just flat out name the characters. And what's interesting, the show actually did continue in comic book form. Like The comic was literally called Smallville Season 11, and they did bring in Batman and Wonder Woman. If I remember right during that first run, I can't remember how long the series went, but I, I read the first like seven or eight issues and kind of fell off of it. But see, I would have loved if Smallville went maybe seven seasons. He becomes Superman in the finale. The show transitions into a Superman show, and that goes maybe three or four years, and they change the name from Smallville to Metropolis. Yeah, because that's pretty much what it was in the last couple of seasons. They didn't go to Smallville from like season seven on. No, you could you could have made that whole transition in seven seasons and not lost anything of value. Because there is a lot of filler, I feel like. And I know the mid-seasons are Lex-heavy, and you still could have done that. But you could have cut a lot of the fat out of those later seasons and built to a Season 7 finale where maybe he does fight Doomsday. And that's where he gets the suit and puts it on and flies for the first time. Or Darkseid, and then you save Doomsday for maybe... The Metropolis show. There's so many other things they could have done, and that's what's interesting going back and watching the show now and thinking about it, you know, to the extent that I haven't in a long time, is what they could have done differently to yeah, make it I, better. Yeah, I think we were cheated not seeing Tom Wellington in the in the costume and the the small scene he had in in Flashpoint was cool, but yeah, I, I, I was going to ask. I was going to ask you guys about that too. Did both of you see his appearance on, I believe it was the crisis on infinite earth story. Yeah. I, I named the wrong, the wrong, I, I named the wrong flash over whatever, but um, yeah, I, I loved him in that. I would have loved to see a show with him as Superman. I was sad that, like you said, we didn't get a movie or yeah, he didn't continue. I was really disappointed. We didn't get uh, Tom Welling as Superman uh, moving forward in the movies. I mean, I know he was kind of tired of the role, but I mean, just you're the you're the Warner Brothers. Just back a truck of money up to his house. He would have done a couple of movies. Just give him enough to where he would say no. And I really enjoyed his turn. And do um, you guys watch uh, Lucifer? Um, he was in Lucifer uh, for a season. I haven't watched all of it, but I know like Samantha's a big fan of it because she mentioned have, he was in it, and she said she loved him. Yeah, he I plays have not Kane. A single episode. It's a really good show from what I've watched. See, I can't get past the, did you guys ever watch 30 rock? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, towards the end when they're trying to tank the network and they do the shows that he thinks are going to do horrible. Mm-hmm. I can't get past the fact that it's basically the God show that he pitched where God is the, <laughs> the cop's partner. And then I'm yeah. like, they made that show. It's <laughs> Lucifer. It, they, they made that show that you, well, the, you know, the joke made a show joke that was of- so horrible. They made a joke of, uh, about it in, in uh, Supernatural, too. Uh, Lucifer in Supernatural said something in one episode where he's like, what am I supposed to, what do you think, I'm going to move to L.A., start solving crimes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but the one who plays Lucifer in the show is just, he's so funny and so great to watch. Yeah. Are we talking about Supernatural Lucifer or are we talking about Lucifer Lucifer? Lucifer Lucifer. 
I know the actor. I, I like because obviously I've seen stills and stuff, but I, I can't think what of his, name, his name. I do know the actor. I like the actor a lot. I saw a mock trailer of him as the Doctor for a new Doctor Who season, and I was like, you know what? I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> That's like when they had the joke memes going around where they were saying that um, Bruce Campbell was going to be an American Doctor. And I'm like, I would, I, I would let, I would see what they did. I, I'd have to check it out. Tom Ellis is his name. That's it, Tom Ellis. Yeah, he'd be a pretty good doctor, I think. But uh, kind of going back to Smallville, one of the characters, I mentioned that I liked most of the characters and where they wound up. What did you guys think of Lana Lang's arc and how they eventually wrote her out of the show? Because I'll be honest, I didn't dislike uh, Kristen Kruick as Lana, but I felt like she kind of wore out her welcome and the way they wrote her out was a little... I don't want to say Bush League, but it seemed like a cop out to me. It almost yeah. felt like they had more planned and there was like, like a contract dispute or something. Yeah, that's true. Because it was it was sudden. It was like they were building for something and then it's like, nope, she's gone. And I was kind of glad to see it because what they were building and like her in the last few seasons, I, I did not like what they did with the character at all. I actually had a joke or uh, I, I joked about it around se season six or seven where I was like, man, she has had so many head injuries at this point. She should be like a vegetable because how many times has she been in the hospital in a coma? That could have been how they wrote her out of the show. Just just put her in a coma. Well, <laughs> if you're a fan, you, you know, she's got to step aside at some point because, you know, at some point Lois has got to come in. Yeah, but I just I did not like the path they were taking her down, and I was kind of relieved when they got her off the show completely, rather than just say, you know, we're not dating anymore. Yeah, I felt like she was around for just way too long, and then they really didn't have nothing for her to do except, you know, she was with Clark, and then she's with uh, Lex. Lex, and it's like, man, just kind of just get rid of this. <laughs> like this is just not working. So when they did the storyline of her putting on that that kryptonite suit that Lex had been building for himself. And it's like, Oh, we can't be around each other physically anymore. I just yeah. was like, man, just, you could have done better. Yeah. I really felt like they could have just, you maybe have her like meet someone else and just kind of go off. And, you know, she rides off into the sunset with her own happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. What do you what's his name? The friend. Um, oh God. What is Wellington? The uh, third is the actor's name. Pete Ross, yes, yeah, they gave him a better exit, and he legit was like, wasn't he thrown off the show? There was some type of dispute with him. I can't remember what it was, but he didn't yeah, leave. He didn't leave on good terms, and they left. You know, they gave him a better exit <laughs> than they gave her. It's so weird how that works out. Sometimes it really is. I, I did want to mention. We mentioned uh, Michael Rosenbaum being you know, the consensus favorite of Lex Luthor. I actually think Erica Durrance is my favorite Lois Lane. Same. I loved her and Tom Welling. Their chemistry was off the chart from the moment that she found him in that cornfield. I believe it was at the premiere of season four. It may have been three, but I think it was four. No, I think it was four. I think you're right. From then on, I was like, that. She she is Lois Lane to me and when they did the the flash forwards of them in the future working for the daily planet her mannerisms her tone of voice the way she acted and carried herself is exactly how i pictured lois lane to be 
Exactly. You know, it's funny you mentioned those episodes because A, you're absolutely right. She's amazing, Lois Lane. But B, that's what that was the point where I decided I wanted to see him as Superman because I didn't think Tom Wellington could pull off nerdy Clark, you know, the hiding in plain sight Clark. And that's where you kind of saw him. That was the first point you saw him putting on that disguise. And he he pulled it off very well. Because it was in the 200th episode when Brainiac came back from the future because he had been reprogrammed by the Legion. And he brought Clark into the future and showed what he would become. And he ran into himself in the um, in the elevator and he was wearing the trench coat, the glasses, and just the way he carried himself was so different. And that another knock I have is that I think they waited too late for him to develop that kind of dual identity because he didn't start wearing the trench coat and the glasses until like five episodes left in the series. No, he was he was he I mean that you're right because he was in Metropolis working at the paper and still walking around buff farm boy. Yeah. <laughs> that was just something that logistically I didn't I didn't understand and maybe that's because they went that arc a little too early as far as him working for the Daily Planet. Maybe they should have waited to do that until season 10. Yeah, cuz I was what around season 5 or so. <laughs> it was early. Yeah, it, it was it, it very was before early. he started being the the blur or anything. I did like his the so he had a couple of different costumes before he got the Superman suit. He you can talk about the black trench coat with the gray writing. Sorry, so I, cut you off, but if that's what you're gonna talk about, yay. I, I used to have that shirt actually. I remember it came with the season nine DVD set came with that shirt. It was like a dark gray shirt with the chalk drawing of the S. I don't think I have it anymore, but I used to. I didn't hate that costume, but I mean the one in season 10 when he wore the red jacket with the jeans and the blue t-shirt. I actually thought it was it was kind of cool and it had the S uh, like designed into the jacket. I was like, I, yeah. it'd, See, be, it'd be cool to I'm have like as a piece of memorabilia. I, I thought, I, I, I'm the opposite. I thought that the the black coat and the that that was so cool for the character that he was doing right at that moment. I, I loved that. Yeah, because that was after he had kind of renounced his humanity. Because it was after he beat Doomsday, and he was just done with humanity by that point. He said, "I remember the last line he said in that finale was Clark Kent is dead." And yeah. then he started showing up in the black trench coat with the shirt you know, that had the, the chalk drawing S on it. I, I did like that because it was so different. And I felt like season nine specifically was almost like a Superman Begins type of feel. Because that's when you brought in Zod and other uh, Kryptonians who were like, I, I think they were held prisoner in some type of box or crystal. And they were unleashed by Tess. But they didn't have their powers because it had been infused with blue kryptonite. So it was that season was Zod trying to figure out how am I going to get these powers that I'm supposed to have. And how great was Colin Blue as as Zod? Very underrated. It's tough to beat Terrence Stamp. And I actually thought Michael Shannon did a great job playing Zod in Man of Steel. But Colin Blue was a very good Zod for this show. Yeah, I really like him as an actor. I thought he was great as Zod. He was also really good in a show called Dead Like Me. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that I was, was such a good... That dude, that show was so good. And I... Terrence Stamp as Jor-El, like, that was a nice little nod in the show. I, felt I mean, like... Terrence Stamp as Jor-El, yeah. Yeah, 
I felt like in the beginning they portrayed Jarrell as being kind of a douchebag. Yeah. But <laughs> the beginning, it took to the end of the show before he really started redeeming himself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even through season 10, he was still kind of being a dick, but by the end of it, he's like, Oh no, I really do care about you. I'm like, he, where, he where was this? Was a tough love dad. He definitely was a tough love dad. Well, it was also After abusing a di- him through the whole show and the whole 10 years. He finally is like, see, I told you, you could do it. It was a very different portrayal of Jorel, but I, I didn't dislike that entirely because, you know, like you, you had the Marlon Brando performance in the original run, so I think you had to do something different, but I think it worked. I, I think it worked out by the end. The early seasons where it seemed it was less about we're going to help him become a thing and more about it just seemed to be, I don't know, to, to use your word, debaggy. I didn't really like him then. I think, well, I think he, the role evolved into something more. Yeah, because in the beginning, he was more or less just kind of like, you're, you've are you been sent among these people to rule them because you're so much more than they are. Like, they aren't anything. You're going to rule them. And they kind of got away from that as the show progressed. And then by the end of it, it lined more along in lines of, what it was supposed to be yeah from the it, it was almost lore. like a retcon where they became at the end like good you became the symbol of hope that i always wanted you to be and you were like wait i remember the lines from season two well and that also goes back to i think they waited too late to line things up with how they were supposed to be in the comic books you know like you felt like especially through season nine when he embraced the kryptonian side of him and then Jarrell punished him for wanting to go back because yeah, he was originally going to say goodbye to Lois, but then he decided, well, I don't really want to give this up. And Jarrell says, no, you're going to do this. And then in season 10, he's like, oh, you became the symbol of hope you were supposed to be. We're good. Because wasn't there a storyline where the spirit of Jorel took over Jonathan Kent for a while? Yeah, because... Or am I imagining that? Something happened <clears throat> when Clark got out of control... I, he may have been wearing red kryptonite. That's right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's how on, that's how Kent yeah. got him back. Is it wasn't really Jarrell's spirit. He just took on that power, and that's actually what he gave, gave him the heart condition that ended up killing him. That's later. right. Yeah, because yes. his body couldn't physically handle it. And then, if I remember right, it was the the hundredth episode when Jonathan Kent died. Because I remember that's such a good episode. It, it was. They did such a good job of like monumental episodes. Like they did something special for episode 100 and 200 was when Clark got to see himself become Superman in the future, courtesy of Brainiac. But I also felt like, cause I always think of Smallville whenever I think of cliffhangers, I remember they would always do such a great job of leaving you on the edge of your seat at every season finale, wanting you to see more and, just building up to the season premiere of, you know, later seasons. I think of Smallville every time I think of a season finale and a good cliffhanger. They, yeah. they were good about doing that for the mid-season ending, like, too. Like, you know, we'll see you back in February. Think about this for three months. Exactly. You know, I remember in season eight, I mentioned it earlier when Clark renounces his humanity. Season nine, when he finds a way to transport the Kandorians off of Earth... Zod wants to stay behind, so he takes the blue kryptonite dagger, stabs it into himself, and throws himself off the building 
so that Zod will get transported away from Earth. And he's just, you see him falling and he kind of spreads his arms out and almost like a, like a Christ-like, you know, appearance. And then boom, end credits. That was a great ending too. That was a great way to get both of them to know about Clark. Because, because, um, I can't want to say Lana. Lois knew, but Clark didn't know she knew. Mm-hmm. And wasn't that where we kind of stopped pretending like we didn't know? Like, like she ran up to his body or, or is it, or am I thinking wrong? Is that where she figured it out, but she didn't say anything. I think at that point she had already figured it out and she was just waiting on him to tell her yeah. because then that was such a big deal of when he finally decided to tell her the truth, even though she had already figured it out. I, to be fair, every time he tells someone it ends up being disastrous. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> Referring again to that, that ep- hundredth episode, you know, how heart like gut wrenching was that episode. Yeah, I could um, I could tell Lana and be happy forever with her, or <laughs> or not. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, I never mind. I guess I can't do that. And I, I kind of wanted to switch a little bit. I, I know we had talked about Michael Rosenbaum and some other characters. Who who were some of your favorite characters from the show? Because I, I want to get into John Glover specifically as Lionel Luther here in a second. Uh, Jason favorite characters from Smallville? Uh, well, my number one favorite character is always going to be Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Um, close second is Lionel Luthor. Um, just those two, that dynamic and the fall of Lex Luthor, just like that made the wa- entire watch of the show worth it. Um, you know, of course, I like I love Tom Welling as Clark, um, but he could be a little... Uh, Sometimes he's a little too serious. <laughs> I don't know if I, that makes any sense mm-hmm. because I think sometimes he's he's a little too dark and serious when the mood needs to be a little light. Um, but yeah, I think probably those two are are my top characters in the show, uh, along with Oliver Queen. I love his portrayal of that character. Mike, um, I would say in reverse order. Lionel Luther, then Lex, and Chloe. Um, and and you wanted to spark a conversation into Lionel, so I'll, I'll I'll help you start. He for me is probably my my favorite character on the show as far as what he accomplished, like like what his character helped set motion, and just the the acting in general. As far as Lionel goes, and he my my top three, Lex would be one. Lionel would be two and then Clark would be third. There was an episode in season nine. If I remember right, the episode was titled Luther where Clark goes to an alternate reality where instead of the Kent's discovering his ship, Lionel found the ship. So he's raised as Clark. I remember that episode and Lionel had been dead for years at that point. And we got to see the, the cold hearted bastard to put it bluntly of Lionel Luther again, which was the best portrayal of that character by far. And he winds up coming back with Clark into the prime universe. And there was a scene at the end of the episode when he's at a newspaper stand and the guy says, you know, you look familiar. Have I seen you before? And Lionel says, well, I haven't actually been here for a while. I'm from out of town. And he looks almost right at the camera as if addressing the audience 
and he says, I wouldn't want to miss how it turns out. And it starts raining and he puts his umbrella up and just disappears into the crowd. And I remember I'm still now getting goosebumps thinking of that moment because everything from his delivery to the music and everything was just so I, good. And it, it I was going to say, I, I, I remember the music in that scene being just, I, and I can't place it in my head, but I remember it being a, like on point. What did you guys think of how Lex was brought back? Because we knew that he had to come back for the final episode. He left in the season seven finale, presumably dead due to the Fortress of Solitude falling on him and Clark. He was brought back in a weird way, like he had cloned himself and they've been putting like different, like the best parts of each clone together to make him a new body. What did you guys think of that? I think it could have gone better. Yeah, I do like the visuals, though, like when he, you know, they used to do those uh, flash forwards of him like in the white suit uh, in a field and it's right raining blood. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the future of Lex Luthor. Like, I always liked that visual of him and I loved seeing him in the the finale. But yeah, it was kind of a weird way to bring him back. And also he had grown his hair out by that time, too. So he had a bald wig on and it looked really weird. Yeah, you could tell. You could tell that he hadn't shaved his head. But yeah, either way, I was still really happy to to see him come back because you couldn't wrap up that show without readdressing the the rivalry between he and Clark and I I love the scene of those two at the ruined Luther mansion and the way they confronted each other in the sense that you know we're not friends we're enemies yeah. at this point but Mike what did you think uh, yeah I think the clone thing was cool I just don't think they did it well and. I would have liked to have done it a different way, but like you said, you had to bring him back. He couldn't, he's the antithesis. You can't do, I just became Superman without Lex being there with him. Yeah. And it was interesting because in the finale, they had him kill his sister, Tess Mercer, but she had like injected him with some type of poison to make him like forget his short term memory. So he conveniently forgot that, Clark was Superman. Well, that was always something they were going to have to address. You know, when you talk about them coming into alignment with the comics, it's at some point you had to address the fact that Lex can't know who Clark is. And they do address it in the comic series as well, because they have a meeting. I remember on the street between Clark and Lex. And when they shake hands, he has this like brief flashbacks and they show the scene of, you know, him hitting Clark with the car in the first episode and him just talking with Clark, you know, in some random time. And he's just, he kind of brushes it off and they don't really address it anymore. But it was a little on the nose, I think, but I, I agree with you. I think it's something that they had to do because he couldn't know that Clark was Superman. Otherwise, the story wouldn't have worked quite as yeah. well, I don't think. Well, I mean, they had to really address that for a a lot of the characters, you know, that pretty much everybody knew that Clark was Superman by the the later seasons. Yeah, and I I think that, again, goes back to where they waited too late to align themselves with the traditional comic lore. Like, they should have had him develop his dual identity 
long yeah. before he actually did. Well, that's because be I, I, a lot I of those really, people ended up dying too. Yeah, True. but I really, honestly, don't think they knew they were going to go for that long. If they would have known they were going to go for ten seasons, they probably would have started that a little earlier. I remember reading a while back that there was a possibility that the show was going to get canceled after season eight. So they had developed this plan to where they would kind of fast track everything. And then he would have put the suit on for the fight with doomsday. And that would have been the end of the show, which would have been weird because doomsday kills Superman in the comic books. Yeah. But does but, that mean that they went eight seasons without thinking about how we're going to wrap this up and end it? It kind of seems that way. I, I don't think I mean, it's good for them for being hopeful, but I don't think it takes away from the overall legacy of the show. The fact that I think it went a little too long, but that is something that I just keep you know, going back to over and over. But I still love the show, and I, I'm sure you guys will agree with me on this. I think had Smallville not been around, we wouldn't have gotten the Arrow show. We wouldn't have gotten The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Gotham. A lot of other superhero shows that have succeeded this, You know, Smallville really laid the foundation for it. I was going to say, this is, the, if not the first, the first successful live-action comic book television series, is yeah. it not? Unless and you count Batman from like, you know, the 50s. Not only that, but it has established a look of the way these shows look. Like you go back and you look at, at some of the, you know, the, the episodes of Smallville. And then you come back and you look at like a current episode of like The Flash. They look the same. Like mm -hmm. just the, the way that the, the world looks. Uh, and it just kind of set the, that same tone for everything that was going to come after, even though they're in separate different universes, these shows all have a look and it all yeah. goes back to Smallville. How good was the Smallville flash? I liked I him. That kid. Yeah, I did too. I love that kid. I, I think it was, was it the Bart Allen? Uh, yes. Incarnation of flash. Yeah. I, the way I look at it is we had shows like the Batman, you know, with Adam West, we had the Incredible Hulk. We had Wonder Woman. But Smallville showed that it can be done on a high scale and be successful. Because you can go back and watch some of those older shows and you can you can tell maybe the budget wasn't so high. And it doesn't take anything away from them, I don't think. But Smallville was really the first show that looked like any other show that you would see on television as far as like a good crime drama a yeah. good, you know, just a good quality show on TV and show it, that you can goes, take those stories and those characters and do it well. It, it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning with the story arcs that, you know, those old shows are the first season of Smallville. They're just Monster of the Week. The Smallville showed you could do more, I think. Well, yeah, and I think it also, as I mentioned earlier, it in a way taught you life lessons through watching the show. Like you almost felt like, you were growing up with the characters and you learned more than just, oh, this is how Clark Kent becomes Superman or this is how Lex Luthor, you know, found like takes over Luthor Corp and renames it Lex Corp. It, it shows yeah. more than that. It it shows the evolution of a character who embraces his destiny, despite the fact that he might fight it at times. In the end, he embraces 
who he is and who he's supposed to be and becomes that that symbol and that hope for the world that we all know. Because, the, you know, Superman may not be everyone's favorite character, but everyone has to admit he is a central character in American pop culture. Like, oh, yeah, if you, if 100%. You, you can take that symbol and everyone knows what it means. Yeah. So I, I think to this day, it's still my favorite portrayal of Superman, even though we don't see him technically until the last few minutes of the last episode. But, you know, you take shows like Superman and Lois, which I actually think is pretty good. And it, it adds a new twist on that character, even though he's already Superman, that I think makes him a little more relatable in the sense. And that's what this show did is it made yeah. Clark Kent and Superman relatable because he had to grow up and learn lessons that we all did, you know, as kids and as we became teenagers and adults. Well, I, I think you got to give it to this show and not only this show, but roughly, you know, the first Spider-Man movie came out around the same time. And you got to credit this and that movie for setting a tone for treating these characters uh, with respect, you know, and and treating it seriously. And, you know, there's some goofiness. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes the shows fun. But really, I mean, this was the first like superhero TV show to really treat this this genre with respect. Um, I mean, you had. Buffy beforehand, which was like the very first one, but she, you know, she's a made up character, like a movie from a movie, but you look at like Superman, like you had the movies that were great and even they got goofy, you know, after a while. Um, And then this came along and it was like, okay, we're taking it back to, you know, Superman as a, as a teenager and we're going to treat this with, with respect and, and just make it look cinematic even though it's a TV show uh, and get good acting, good, you know, good music. And I don't know, it just kind of set the tone for everything afterwards. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And if not for Smallville, we wouldn't have a lot of what we have today. You know, where we look at the MCU, we look at, you know, what DC's doing. A lot of that foundation came, I said it before, but, a little over 20 years ago by Alfred Goff and Miles Miller. And they created this show and it became, I think I think it became more successful than a lot of people expected it to. Like I wouldn't have expected to be sitting here 20 plus years later talking with you two about the influence that the show had. But, and I think it still holds up for the most part. I mean, the early seasons, you could tell the CG looks a little rough but it was also 2001, 2002. But the story still holds up to this day. So if you yeah. if you haven't watched the show in a while, it's still on Hulu, I believe. So I'd highly recommend going back and watching it because oh, it's, I have all the seasons on DVD. <laughs> yeah, I got I, like I, half of them on DVD. <laughs> if they're not out now, I think they're supposed to come out soon. They're supposed to come out on Blu-ray for the first time, and that that's I, I'd love to get my hands on those because I, I'd love to have just a physical copy to have it, you know, to watch whenever I want, but also as like a display item. Cause I, I love that show. I love Smallville. I love the, the portrayal of all the characters. I still think it has one of the best opening theme songs 
Oh, yeah. Uh, even though they did a little meta moment, I remember in the first season where Remy Zero, the band who performed Save Me, was at <laughs> yeah. Smallville High and they played that song. And I'm like, that, that's, <laughs> that, that might be a little much for me. It might be a little too meta. Don't get yeah, me wrong. That's I, why I say that first season's a little bit hard to watch. Well, I, it, it kind I, of, it, uh, sorry, I didn't even cut you off, but it, 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 it moves to me kind of like the Harry Potter books where it grows. So, you know, I'm an adult. I like Harry Potter still, but I don't usually reread the first two books. Yeah. Right. This show is kind of the same for me. The show grew. I don't usually rewatch the first season. Sometimes the yeah, second, maybe, maybe not. I would say if you're going to, if you've never seen Smallville and you're going to go back and watch it, I would say just for that first season, just go watch like the, there's got to be like a, an essential episodes list just so you get acquainted with the characters. That you're gonna go into, you know, and just start basically start with those episodes and then go into season two. I'm sure there's got to be a retrospective by season on YouTube, so you could just kind of watch the high points. But I, I would say definitely watch the pilot in full. Yeah. And oh yeah. Then and then after that, maybe look up like a a best of or like you said, an essential episodes, and then season two gets much better. So the, the pilot's worth watching just for that fight he has with his dad when he learns that he's invulnerable and is giving his dad crap about it and he sticks his hand into the the um the wood chipper. Yeah. And holds him back <laughs> yeah. out like, like I'm fine, but you knew I'd be fine, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, I still like that I can't remember which episode it is, but uh who was it that made the kryptonite bullets? And uh, it was one of the it was one of the monsters of the weekend. It was the the kid yeah, the sniper I, I like that about, episode right? because it showed them that Clark did have a vulnerability because you know he turned around to catch the bullet and they showed it in slow motion go through his hand and into his chest and his his parents are just like what the hell just happened yeah. well that was a great scene though because even for him because you know you've spent the whole show with him figuring out I don't need to dodge I don't need yeah. to you know safety what no just grab that thing and I, the, the shock is like what, what, what just happened <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about Clark learning how to you know, grow and adapt and learn that he's he's invulnerable in some ways, but he's not entirely invincible. And it also made him as relatable as he could be, as you can make Superman relatable. Yeah. One, one of the things I used to laugh about with this series was like, man, kryptonite is the most abundant uh, element on planet earth like there's just kryptonite everyone has it it's everywhere uh, for the purposes of 10 years worth of show you're right they had to make it way more prevalent than it ever was anywhere i'm surprised there's not some type of joke somewhere about like a kryptonite stand on every corner store yeah. in smallville and metropolis <laughs> we got your green we got your red we got your blue I mean, we got all starting kinds of off it with the the very first episodes i mean you got lana lang with a kryptonite necklace yeah like, really <laughs> Well, all you have to do is just walk into somebody's backyard and there's pretty much at least a piece or two. Yeah. This is what it seemed like. But uh, I, despite its flaws, I, I love the show. It, doing this roundtable actually makes me want to go back and watch it again. So if you've never watched it, sorry we spoiled a lot of it for you. But <laughs> if, you, if you have seen it, I think it's worth a rewatch because it still, as I said, holds up for the most part. I, I just, I wish they would have done, and I think this was kind of where we could start wrapping things up here. I wish they would have done a little more 
with these characters after the show was over, whether it's a TV special, a movie. I like the comic book series, but I would have much preferred to see it in a physical, you know, visual form as far as live action goes. I wish they would have just spun off the DCU movies from Smallville. Like that would be my wish if I could go back in time. Especially seeing how dark they made the Superman DC now. I would have been much happier with the tone of this show and Wellington. Yeah, exactly. And I think he, and he showed that he can play both Clark and Superman because we got to see that Superman character come out in pieces during the last season. And then he adapted that dual persona. So we saw that he can do it. Yeah. I just don't understand why they decided to go in a different direction because the show, let's see, the show ended in 2011. So, I mean, man of steel came out two years after that. Yeah. You could have just, yeah, you could have just spun off of this and maybe made a trilogy of movies. And And I guarantee you they would have been great. Yeah, and to Jason's point, yeah, he was tired of the character, but Warner Brothers, especially movie actor money, he had to come yeah. back. Oh, he had to come back. You want to star in a in a DC Warner Brothers Superman movie? Here's a buttload of money. Yeah, here's $20 million. We're just going to back up a Brinks truck to your house and dump it on the front lawn. Come play Superman for us. And give just as much to Lex Luthor. Or Michael Rosenbaum, just to make sure he comes back. Too, yeah. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> that That's another thing, too, is that at, especially after watching Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal in Batman v Superman, I'm like, why why couldn't Ugh. you just brought Rosenbaum back? It's funny you mentioned him because you have the best Lex Luthor in Rosenbaum and then, to my opinion, the worst Lex Luthor in uh, not Michael Cera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I knew about five seconds after he came on screen for the first time in Batman v Superman, I said, nope, not feeling well, it. Uh, the whole time I was like, "Are they, uh, did he get hired? Like, does he think he's playing the Riddler? Like, did he get confused on what character he's supposed to be playing? I think playing? he was still playing Zuckerberg. He acted like <laughs> he was still playing Zuckerberg. Did they yeah, tell him it was a different movie? I don't know. Yeah. I, maybe, maybe they did film him. And and a different movie, and they're like, well, we're just going to take all this footage and bring it over here to this movie. I don't know what they were thinking with that, but then again, I don't know what they were thinking with a lot of the post uh, the DC film universe. And everybody online is like, restore the Snyderverse. I'm like, please, just let the Snyderverse go. Okay, first off, it wasn't that much better. No, it. It really wasn't. It was better, and I'm glad that they did it. But to me, like that, that should be the end of it. Like it doesn't need to be expanded upon. It's done. Let's just move on. Yeah, we're we're gonna have a difference of opinion on that because you can't do a Superman movie with muted tones, dark stories, and you know, not dark stories, but dark dark Superman, and you know, muted. No, yeah, no, the whole the whole feel of the movie was just bad. And I love Harvey Ke- Harry Henry Witcher. Cavill. What's his name? <laughs> Henry Cavill. I, Henry I thought Cavill. Henry Cavill made a great Superman. I love him. I did not feel good when I left that movie. My my beef with the movie was not him. I love him. My beef with the movie was how it was the, the cinematography, the cult, you know, the color schemes, the script. It just it, it was it was not a Superman movie. 
yeah, put, a it was, put a different name on it, man. It you know be different. It was like depressed Superman, is what it was. There was a lot with that. I mean, it's not my least favorite comic book movie of all time. It's very flawed. But a lot of what they did, like to me, you took the foundation of Superman and you just said, no, we're going to do this instead. And the worst version of Jonathan Kent there's ever yes. been. Which oh, you God, would, yes. <laughs> you would think with Kevin Costner when they announced that, I'm like, okay, I'm right? all for that. But then to make him like this, we'll, we'll wrap on this because I know we're kind of getting a little off subject, but I have to say this. What pissed me off about that movie the most was the flashback of when the tornado hit Smallville. And he ran back to get their dog. And Clark's like, I'm going to come save you. And Jonathan says no. And he gets blown away by the tornado. I'm like, he could have grabbed him and brought him back <laughs> before anyone even blinked. And yeah. you told him not to do it. Why? Just to mess him up for the rest of his life. Exactly. Like, why? Why? My, I don't My moment like why. that was the end where, you know, Superman has very rarely killed anyone, never intentionally. And, you know, he snaps Zod's neck because he had no other choice after a day of thinking about it. I met this guy yesterday. He's beyond repair. Sorry, got to kill him. I just remember being shocked. Like, my jaw dropped when that happened. Like, I was too shocked to even really think of anything. Because it wasn't an accident. They didn't make it out like, oh, crap, we were fighting and he died. And now I get to feel guilty about that. They made it a conscious decision. He, he decided in 24 hours, this guy is not redeemable. Sorry. Well, not only that, I mean, how many lives were lost in the Battle of Metropolis with those two fighting? I mean, they did some probably like $300 billion worth of damage to that city. I that felt like that. The... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that just reminds me of the Incredibles with the whole bureau from the government. This job it is to clean up after the superheroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I felt like that whole sequence was an apology for Superman Returns because it had no action whatsoever. Superman Returns. Oh, no, we're, we're going to get off on a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll 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 save yeah. that for for another discussion. But because I love Superman Returns and it doesn't get enough credit, I like Brandon Routh as Superman. I'm I did too. Just throw that out there. I, I did too. I did too. Like the reason why that movie was not a success was not his fault. But that's a discussion for another time but i think it's just basically just because he was doing an impression of christopher reeve but but that's, that's what they just, asked yeah. him to do yeah 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 he, but was, he was good at it because he looks like christopher reeve yeah but he was good at it and that's yeah. why i liked the oh he was spot on as clark oh my god you'd think you were watching christopher reeve. i know yeah no that's true all right let's but, close that yeah, tangent yeah. before we go any further yeah 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 <laughs> so cl- closing thoughts on smallville uh Jason, we'll start with you. What do you think? I know we've touched on it here and there, but what do you consider to be the legacy of the show? Oh, just look at everything that's come afterwards. I mean, all the CW shows uh, have their DNA in Smallville. So if you like the CW shows, whether, you know, if you like just one of them or two of them, you know, you just like The Flash or you like, uh, you know, Legends of Tomorrow, just go back. And if you've never watched Smallville, I mean, that's this is where all that started. Like this show set that template. So go back and if you've never watched it, just go back and watch it. Just give it, give it a, give it a good watch. I think you'll enjoy it. Mike. Um, I'm going to agree with Jason and, and that I, to throw back to another round table we did together. Smallville is to, to the DC universe on television as coder was for modern RPGs. It, it what we have now exists because Smallville did what they did and did it successfully. 
And I'll also add, I'm pretty sure the MCU that we have now would not have happened. Well, it probably would happen eventually, but it would not have happened when it did if you didn't have that interest being carried by something like this. Where you didn't have a product out there or property out there where people are like, see, look, there's interest. People like this stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And when I think of Smallville, because Smallville is one of the few shows that I remember watching the pilot episode when it aired. And I followed it until the finale. And I remember having a, a get-together at my parents' house to watch the final episode of those that had kept up with it since day one. And that's a long time to keep up with a singular show. But yeah. to, to your guys' point, it laid the foundation for what we have now with, as you mentioned, Jason, the CW shows and the MCU and other comic book adaptations, I don't think would be there to the extent that they are had Smallville not shown that you can take these characters seriously and treat them with respect, have a good looking show that has yeah. great writing, good acting, and just overall have a great presentation yeah. of of one of the most iconic characters in the world. Yeah, because it's, it's not campy at all. Like no. it doesn't make you groan or cringe at anything. Like they, it actually treats the stuff with with a level of respect that they really didn't before. For sure. But uh, Mike, uh, do you have any website or social media that you'd like to plug so the listeners could follow you and tell everybody about your podcast? Um, yes, definitely. Um, the Jester's Court. You can find it on all the major free podcast sites as well as on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Jester's Court. Um, and you can go back and listen to me defend Superman Returns, which is a much better movie than people give me credit for. And I've already done that episode. It's like four back. What about you, Jason? Uh, definitely go check out me and Derek's other show, The Nerd Cave Retro Show, where every week we talk about retro games. So if you like retro gaming, definitely go give us a listen. You can uh, download us wherever podcasts are, are available. Nerd Cave Retro Show, at Nerd Cave Retro on Twitter. And also my other podcast, The Open Micers Podcast, at Open Micers on Twitter. This week, we're actually going to be talking with Mr. Diamond about the feature presentation podcast so that's going to be awesome so go follow those two shows and uh yeah got a lot of content to for you to catch up on absolutely guys thank you so much for being part of the inaugural feature presentation roundtable discussion this was great thank you this was great yeah i had a blast Thank you again to Jason Robbins and Mike Evelyn for that amazing chat about Smallville, and hopefully you all had as much fun reminiscing about Smallville as I did. If you're a Cobra Kai fan, you'll definitely want to come back for next week's episode. We'll be revisiting two interviews that I conducted in early 2022, one with Gianni DiCenzo, who plays Dimitri, and the other with Jesse Cove, who had a role in season two of Cobra Kai, with a young version of John Kreese's character, and he's also the real-life son of Martin Cove, who plays John Kreese in the Karate Kid films and Cobra Kai. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the Derek Diamond Experience at linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You can find anything related to the show in one location— 
If you want to follow the show on social media, subscribe to my YouTube channel, the audio version, everything is at linktree.com slash Podcast. And if you could, please leave a review. The more reviews I get, the more likely the show is to be discovered by anyone who's searching for filmmaking podcast or podcasts about movies in general. And I believe that's going to do it for this episode. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you back here next Monday for another special edition of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. Podcast.